Hey everyone, it's Celine. The Dreamcatcher podcast recently celebrated its fifth anniversary. Since 2018, we have done over 130 interviews with prominent thought leaders in personal growth and spirituality. If you recently joined our community, you may have missed some of the great guests we have had in the past. That's why I decided to republish two older interview episodes per month so that you can enjoy content from the past. I hope you like listening to this past episode as much as our newer content. Be sure to subscribe, share, and rate this podcast if you haven't already. Thanks. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Dreamcatcher interview podcast special. I believe that all of us have the ability to connect to something greater than ourselves by connecting to the spiritual essence within us. According to many religious and philosophical scriptures, it's the proven path to maximizing our potential and developing our emotional resilience and self-knowledge. But it isn't always easy to unplug from our busy world and tune into that deep inner voice where we can connect with that power and follow its guidance to heal and empower ourselves. Rusha, my guest today, is an expert in this topic. She's a YouTube star with almost 40,000 followers who tune into her channel to capture her wisdom. Rusha has always been curious about the mysteries of the universe, which led her to study about the chakra system, meditation, and kundalini. After graduating from law school at the age of 21, she experienced an explosion in her intuitive abilities while diving deep into the process of discovering herself and understanding the laws of reality. Her greatest passion is empowering others to connect with their own inner power by teaching principles about masculine and feminine energies, goddess energy and sensuality, ego consciousness, freedom from shame, inner child healing, abundance, creativity, self-love, and healthy relationships. I'm sure that you love our enlightening conversation. You'll be reminded of your boundless capacity and the potential for greatness within you. Through her own musings and spiritual breakthroughs, Rusha shows us how we can stay committed to discovering ourselves while enjoying this beautiful earthly journey in the process. Hi, Rusha. How are you doing today? Hi, Celine. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so nice to be speaking with you and to have a chance to dig deep into some really interesting topics that can help all of us establish a deeper connection with ourselves and create a more meaningful existence. I'm so happy to be here. 
So let's get started with learning a little bit about you and your spiritual journey. In your bio, you say that it truly accelerated at the age of 19, right when you began law school. So tell us a little bit about what instigated your journey of self-discovery and uncovering the mysteries and laws of the universe. So the interesting thing is this actually happened by accident. <laughs> interesting. I was, yeah, I was in law school. I was well on my way to being a good societal citizen and doing what was expected of me and following all the rules and being, you know, your typical good girl who doesn't really push boundaries or anything like that. And I started, I just felt this impulse to start writing. I had always kind of wanted to keep a diary, but I never really got into it. So I just picked up this journal one day and I started writing and I started asking questions when I was writing. I thought it would be interesting to write letters to the universe and to just see what would happen in a sort of dear God, it's me, Margaret type of way. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that children's book. Mm -hmm. So I started writing and I was like, dear universe, what is the purpose of life? Why are we here? How does the universe work? And this was at a time where I felt really, really lost with myself because I kind of had this idea that, you know, if I, if I go to law school, if I follow this path, then I'll be happy. And I found myself feeling really unfulfilled. I found myself feeling really lost. I found myself feeling like I didn't know who I really was. I felt like I was a shell of a person. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I was wearing all of these layers of identities that weren't really me. And this was a culmination of, you know, my entire life from, you know, growing up in the West and having an Eastern background and then always kind of being confused about my identity and what I'm allowed to do, what I'm not allowed to do compared to other girls I would be in school with. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of one of those issues that I always struggled with. And that feeling of being lost, it was actually... At the time, it was one of the scariest things for me because I'm the type of person where I really like to know where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. I like to have a vision and a plan and know how to execute it and bring it about. So for me, just feeling lost, it was like being in a fog. And I just had this feeling. I was like, something isn't right. Something is off. I just knew that there was something more to everything that I was seeing around me. It was this sort of, there's got to be more to life type of moment. And I guess you could say I had like a midlife crisis at 19. Okay. (laughs) More like a quarter-life crisis. Yes. There we go. I have those every week. It's it's fantastic. (laughs) You you completely destroy everything you know, and then you come back renewed. Mm -hmm. It's really great. But when I started asking those questions, I started to get answers. And I would get answers in the strangest of ways. You know, I would start seeing synchronicities and I would start overhearing, you know, snippets of conversations. I would hear a song on a radio that was the exact um, answer to a question that I had. And I would start finding, you know, certain spiritual teachers on YouTube. And from there, I was just guided to each thing that I needed to hear at the time. And this kind of just launched me on this whole journey of trying to discover this whole other world and this whole other aspect of myself. And it actually turned out to be a really exciting time because I remember as a child, I would always look up at the sky and I would be so in awe of everything that I saw, you know, just this vast expanse of space and seeing all of these stars everywhere. And I just knew I was like, there has to be more than what we know. 
there has to be more to life than, you know, just going to school, getting a job, getting married, buying a house, um, paying bills and dying. Right. Because that's really the idea that we're fed, right? If you just do all of these things, if you stay in line with what society wants you to do, then you will be happy. And at that point, I was just realizing, I was like, this isn't making me happy. Why do I still feel empty inside? Why am I not excited by this? And I think one of the catalysts for that, especially, is because I always had this idea that, you know, I would grow up to share my voice with people. I would fight for the underdog. I would help people, things like that. But when I got into law school, I, I just got so disillusioned to the whole legal system in and of itself. And I was like, it's not even necessarily about helping people. You know, I would like to take that altruistic view and, and think that that's what it's about. But really, it's just about a set of rules for people to follow and, you know, paying attention to which side of the rules you're on. And the more I started to realize that, the more I started to get disillusioned to this whole path and realizing, you know, how many people are in it for prestige, for status and things like that. And I was like, are these the things that are really important to me? I don't know. Right. That's so interesting that you got into such a deep state of inquiry at, at the age of 19. That's that's. And it's usually triggered by, you know, when people have reached this kind of crisis, it's usually triggered by an event. Was there any event as such at that age or was it just kind of snowballed over the years? I would say that I definitely feel like it's something that snowballed over the years. Mm -hmm. You know, I have been through a few abusive relationships and I feel like that's what has kind of given me the knowledge to teach what I teach now. I really came from a place of, you know, not knowing who I was, not knowing my worth, not knowing my value mm -hmm. and just feeling like I didn't matter. I had this deep internal pit within me that I didn't matter and I didn't feel like I could take up space. And I just felt so out of touch mm -hmm. from who I was because the interesting thing is when I was about, you know, 11, 12 years old, up until that age, I was very, very confident. I was very confident, well-adjusted. I was very happy. I wasn't afraid to take up space and, you know, perform in front of people. My dream at the time was to be a singer. Mm -hmm. And I would spend all my time, you know, like I would sing openly in front of people, even if I wasn't that good, because I just loved it. And it just made me happy. But this interesting thing happened when I turned about 12 or 13. And I do feel like there's an energetic reason behind this. I'll get into that in a moment. Mm -hmm. But when I turned 13, that was when my whole life started to change. You know, I went to, I went from a public elementary school where I had lots of friends and I got along great with people to an all girls private school. And while I'm really happy, I, I got to have that opportunity and experience. It was a very closed environment. There wasn't a lot of diversity in the students there. And it kind of led to me feeling even more isolated because I felt like there weren't people who could really understand me mm -hmm. or who I could really connect with on a deeper level because we came from such different backgrounds. And all of a sudden, I found myself being faced with all of these questions about and, and ideas being bombarded with these messages about what it means to be a woman. And that was so confusing for me because it, it's like you go from the space of being your own person of feeling like you're empowered to go out in your life and create a life for yourself to the space of feeling like you need to completely mold yourself to make people around you happy. 
like you need to present a certain image to get male attention. And if you're not getting that male attention, that there's something wrong with you. Right. And especially at that age, when you're really trying to find out who you are. Yeah. And one thing that I realized is that at that age, you're kind of going through an initiation, um, you know, part of the goddess teachings and, and the divine feminine and all of that energy is uh, one of the things we talk about are the rites of passage that women go through. And monarcha, your first menses, your first period mm-hmm. is one of those things. And I kind of feel like when women go through this, when girls go through this, one of the things that happens is that you're, we're all connected to the collective consciousness. And because we're all connected to the collective consciousness, women are especially connected to the divine feminine consciousness, which is the energy of, you know, what women have been through throughout all of time. So I feel like since we're tapping into that collective conscious energy, when you're, you're very sensitive to it, you'll, you'll feel it a bit more, but it's like, you'll notice yourself being bombarded with all of these thought forms and contracts and messages and, and ideas that society is throwing your way about what it means to be a woman and how you should carry yourself and how you should present yourself in that way. And I kind of used to joke about this to my friend um, because of all of the, the experiences I, I went through. Um, I would be like, I feel like I signed up for the hunger games of life. Oh, <laughs> the hunger yeah. games of like, yeah, the hunger games of like spiritual awakening and things like that. Yeah, because, because Yeah. That's interesting because it- you help your clients, you know, uh, connect with their feminine energies, their goddess energies, and, you know, their sensuality. So is that part of your process, part of your teaching? Definitely, 100%. Because I I noticed this from a very early age. I was like, why is it that I would feel that I need to carry myself a certain way around boys, and then boys don't carry themselves in the same way? Or why is it that women will get so emboggled when it comes to relationships. But for men, it's a totally different story. And it's not to kind of play the role of the angry feminist or anything like that, but it's just to acknowledge that we are very different. And because we're different, we do have different experiences. So just to notice how that plays out. You know, one of the things that I notice most often when I'm observing people is that boys are empowered from a very young age to go out and be their own person and to create a life for themselves. But Girls are empowered from a very young age to be nurturers, to take care of other people and, you know, to kind of be the good girl, be the nice girl, to be kind and sweet and meek. And one of the things that this does is it raises a generation of girls that don't know how to set boundaries and who, who inherently were inherently taught this message that society and that society and, and, and men are entitled to our sexuality, entitled to our bodies. And this is something that I feel is deeply ingrained from a, a patriarchal driven society. That's true. I mean, that's how it was in the past, right? That's yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's changing now, but I mean, even with seeing Trump as the president, you can see how it's purging, you know, the amount of misogyny that, that came like a wave after he was elected um, and then, you know, energies, you know, to fight that misogyny, but it kind of goes to show it's like, there's this whole purging happening within America of all of these energies of, you know, um, the distorted ego and misogyny towards women and other ethnic groups and things like that. Right. It's very interesting to see. 
Yeah, especially with the whole Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter. I mean, all of these things are coming to the forefront now for people to deal with. Yeah. But one of the things that I find is closest to my heart when it comes to empowering women and things like that is the fact that, you know, since we carry all of these memories in our cellular DNA, one of the things that we also carry is that you know, at one point in time, women were treated as commodities. And one of the ways that, you know, patriarchal culture has kind of um, subdued us or stripped us of our power is by associating our sense of self-worth with our sexual purity, which is a completely invented concept. Um, It's kind of like women are given this punch card and it's like, you can have a certain amount of experience before you're considered worthless or before you're considered dirty or like before that. you're considered wrong. I like yeah, that but <laughs> punch card. Yeah. I, I remember talking with one of my, one of my closest girlfriends about this and I was like, why do I feel like this? And I'm like, men definitely don't have this issue, right? For them, it's, they're encouraged to be masculine by going out and having more sex. And the interesting thing is both of these things keep us disempowered and away from actual intimacy, which I feel men and women both want. So one of the interesting things I like to share about patriarchy is that, again, it's not about the angry feminist or pointing the finger at anybody. It's about how the patriarchy keeps men and women disempowered. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great point. So what do you think people can do to break away from these um, outdated belief systems? about, you know, about women and their place in society and, you know, their sexuality. The interesting thing is, I actually feel like it's a little bit more difficult for men because of, you know, the fragile male ego, so to speak, the proverbial fragile male ego. And because they associate, the interesting thing is that men actually find a lot of their sense of self-worth from their ability to please and satisfy women. A lot of people don't know this. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, but what society teaches us, you know, society takes women and teaches them, you will derive your sense of self-worth from your ability to get male attention or, or lock down a man or a relationship. And it tells men, you will find your sense of self-worth from your ability to pursue distorted ego types of things like having big cars, having a big house, having a cushy job, having sex with lots of beautiful women. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's kind of like a display of these things that we can show the external world to show other people, look how special I am, look how great I am. But again, it's a construct of the distorted ego. And the thing we need to understand about the distorted ego is that it's never satisfied. It's never fulfilled with what it has. And the distorted ego doesn't know how to experience intimacy. The distorted ego is completely cut off from the, the inner self. And, you know, one of the ways this manifests most commonly is through narcissistic personality disorder, which is, you know, I get into this in one of my videos, but the prevailing relationship dynamic on the planet right now really is codependency and narcissism and the reason they're drawn together is because they're opposites that balance each other out right so when it comes to you know moving past these outdated beliefs we as women the more we do this within ourselves we're consciously you know this happens on multiple levels it's about reclaiming your sovereignty reclaiming your pleasure center reclaiming your power and when i say pleasure center it's not necessarily just about sexuality. 
or necessarily have to do anything with sex. It really has to do with your creative energy. Mm -hmm. Sexual energy is creative energy at its core. Right. And it has to do, it's the same, the same, it it originates from the same chakra, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes. It it comes from your sacral chakra, which is your center of creation. And it's also the seat of your emotions. So it's really about this energy of desire desire, which we can use to create our reality, to birth things into existence. It's actually really, really powerful when you get into it. But the reason we're so cut off from the ability to experience true intimacy within ourselves is because most of society today is operating on an exploded ego. Um, Society as a whole is very masculine driven in its energy and feminine energy has been suppressed for a long time. If you want to look at this historically, this typically started with the witch trials right? Mm -hmm. Going after women who are naturally in tune with nature, naturally in tune with their bodies, who are natural healers, women who had special knowledge. And that was when we really started to suppress the feminine and, you know, any, any matrilineal sort of structures were kind of destroyed. And that's another reason why the patriarchy um, kind of strives to control female sexuality. It's to ensure that you know your lineage. It's to ensure that you know um, where to pass down whatever you need to pass down. So it really is for that specific reason. But then it got distorted over time to include this sort of ownership over women. So I know I'm kind of going all over the place. With no, it, that's but... interesting. It's, it's interesting because it's it's at the root of what causes all of these all the dysfunctional relationship patterns that that we see. Uh, nowadays, it's so common. The divorce rates are skyrocketing in the West, especially. So, I mean, all of this matters, and people should be aware of this dynamic and this interplay between the feminine and masculine. So, yeah. And the interesting thing about intimacy is that you can connect with that when you connect with yourself. Most women have a lot of trauma in their sacral chakras because, you know, there's so much energy around trying to control our sexuality or women who experience sexual abuse don't have the tools and the resources to heal from it the way that they need to. We have a very victim blaming, victim shaming sort of mentality when it comes to people speaking out about things. And I know that's been changing with the Me Too movement and things like that. But one thing that I want to make clear about this mentality is that it's something that goes beyond the Me Too movement. It's something that goes beyond you know, somebody coming out and speaking about sexual abuse. It's it applies to all abuse. And one of the interesting things about social media is that it's now being as a tool for people with all types of disorders or issues, specifically mental health issues, to kind of go out and bully other people or terrorize other people. And we as a society encourage narcissism. We encourage, uh, we allow this behavior to happen so what do you think is the key takeaway when it comes to empowering ourselves as women and kind of balancing out the masculine and feminine energy within us? What's the key takeaway that that we can we that we can really learn learn from? I would say connecting with our emotions. <laughs> One of the interesting things I like to say is that we've become the men we want to marry. Yes. We've become the men we want to be with. And, you know, you'll, you'll see women all over today who are super empowered, women who are truly doing it all, women who are succeeding and crushing it in every every field. But the interesting thing is women have become the men they want to marry and men have been completely demasculated. 
in the sense that, you know, they're not encouraged to be in their divine masculine and the divine masculine in its, in its healthy energy is very, it's a giver. It's a giving energy. It's a loving energy. It's the energy that provides and protects and builds structures and, and things like that. And it's, it's a very important energy, but when it's distorted, when it's distorted, it becomes all about, you know, image and ego and how we can make ourselves look good while we feel empty on the inside and not having actual intimacy, because it's kind of like the solar plexus chakra takes over and becomes this sort of ego monster. And then all of the other chakras tend to be cut off. Mm -hmm. So it's really about reconnecting to intimacy. And that really starts with connecting with yourself because in, or you can only meet other people as deeply as you met yourself and other people can only meet you as deeply as they met themselves. So it's about being able to see into yourself and understand yourself and know yourself. And when you do that, that's when you kind of open up that space for you to have that kind of heart-centered connection with another person. But first it involves you getting in touch with who you really are, you getting in touch with your emotions and you getting in touch with what kind of brings you joy and moves you into your heart. Because when you're in your heart center, that's when the game changes. That's when you can connect with people on a more heartfelt felt level. But the thing about, you know, the distorted ego and encouraging narcissism in society and things like that is that that energy is completely cut off from the heart, completely cut off from true intimacy. Yeah. So I see that. I see that happening all the time. Yeah. So what can so, we do to connect to reconnect with our heart and our higher selves? How do we get back in touch with that part of ourselves? I would say the first thing is recognizing that it was always there. You know, we sort of had this idea that we need to like leave our bodies and open up all our upper chakras and kind of astral travel and have all these amazing experiences to connect. <laughs> but one of the things I love to teach is that, you know, we're here on this earth planet to have a physical experience and from a soulful perspective this is actually a very special thing because in your in your soul's consciousness you're used to being formless you're used to being ethereal you're used to having those experiences so for you being in a physical body is a very special thing and the lower chakras are just as important as the upper chakras and if, if we're not taking care of the lower chakras if we're not in our bodies what's the point of even accessing that information because you won't be able to ground it in the first place right so this kind of ties back into the the goddess feminine energy, but it's it's seeing pleasure as a prayer, enjoying your physical body and your physical experience, and also opening up to your emotions in a new way. Because we're taught to do one of two things when it comes to our emotions. We're taught to either repress them or react to them. And society kind of has this weird relationship with emotions. It's kind of like if, if negative emotions come up, it's like, uh-oh, something must be wrong. Um, something, I'm not doing something right, you know, things like that. We were kind of sold this idea that we have to be happy all the time. And if we're not happy all the time, something must be wrong. You yes. must be doing yeah. something wrong or something's off. But the interesting thing is that's all an idea that we're fed. It's a sort of very corporate idea that encourages us to keep chasing this high so that we will feel a void within ourselves and fill it with things outside of ourselves so that we keep chasing it. The interesting thing about happiness is that it's a fleeting emotion it is. and it is, yeah. it, you know, it's a part of the fullness and richness of human experience. But in order to experience one thing, you first need to experience its opposite. So to experience happiness, you need contrast. So if you're constantly chasing happiness, you're going to be in this sort of extreme level of living where you're, you're, you're happy and then you're depressed. You know, there's no in between when you're, when you're chasing that. And what that does is it, 
it, it provides this incredible strain on your nervous system because you're constantly in fight or flight mode. You're constantly on overdrive. That's like the rock and roll kind of lifestyle. That's what you know, celebrities and that's how they live. And that doesn't really work out well as we've seen in so many, um, you know, examples of celebrities just, just crashing or just killing themselves. We see that and it's tragic, but it, it just goes to show that, you know, the distorted ego will tell you, I'll be happy once I have this shiny thing. I'll be happy when I have that. But then you get it and you get bored and it's this unending void where it's never enough. And that's kind of the, you know, the, the fame trap, the ego trap that comes with fame is that it's so easy for anybody to start associating their sense of self-worth with their ability to produce things, right. with their ability to gain followers or, or gain attention. Yeah. And you don't even have to be famous to experience this. This is something that we're taught in society. This is something I have to catch myself on, you know, associating my self-worth with my ability to produce. And, you know, that's one very clear, concrete example of the unbalanced masculine because mm-hmm. the masculine is all about doing and getting things done and making things happen. But the feminine is about allowing things to happen. The feminine is about creation. And the interesting thing is, you know, one of the examples I often give with clients is I want you to to think about, you know, a baby that's gestating in the womb or nature. You know, in in winter, everything dies, but come spring, everything is reborn again. And you don't have to do a thing. Mm -hmm. That baby is being made. The organs are being formed without you having to do a thing. And that's really how creation works. That's really one of the most powerful exactly exactly you hit the nail the nail on the head it's it's surrendering and that's one thing that we really it's really it's something i took a while to learn because i i I had a little bit of a control freak in me (laughs) so yeah that's something that i've (laughs) taken some time to learn but i'm getting better i am getting better And it's an ongoing process. I think that's another thing we need to recognize. Another trap that we can tend to fall into when it comes to spirituality and personal improvement, while it can come from a really good place to wanting to work on yourself and improve yourself, it's also important to be able to enjoy life and recognize that there's so much value in where you are now. And if you could also see yourself as being whole and complete and perfect as you already are, I know it's one of the greatest paradoxes of spirituality, but it's about recognizing that, you know, you are a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. You are the, the artist extraordinaire of your life. And while you can always, you know, choose where you're going to put that paintbrush and where you're going to put your energy, it's also in recognizing the divine that is already within you. Can you already see yourself as perfect and whole as you are exactly where you are in your journey? And I know that can kind of be difficult to understand. Even me, when I think back to, you know, some of the most difficult experiences in my life where I've been very heartbroken or felt very messy and felt like everything was falling apart. Looking back now, while in the moment I felt like everything was, was so wrong and shouldn't be happening like that, that was a form of control. When I can look back now, I can see that I was, I was mastering lessons that I would be teaching about. I was going through the exact experience I needed to break me out of a paradigm that would have kept me in more pain. And this is the interesting thing about pain, right? We're creatures of comfort. We don't want to experience pain, but pain is a catalyst to push us into change because if we're comfortable all the time, if everything's sunshine and sunshine and roses, we're not going to move. We're not going to change anything. Right. Yeah, I know. And we need those challenges. We need those, yeah, we need those, those hurdles to kind of wake us up and to, because that's the only way we'll realize what we're 
you know, our, our potential and what we're made of and that we can survive and we have what it yeah. takes. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's any easier or that pain is, is necessarily welcome in any way. But now when, when I'm going through difficult experiences or experiencing pain, I always see it as an opportunity for growth. Yeah, because you have that higher perspective on it, you know, and a lot of people still struggle with that. Yeah, because we have this idea. And again, it ties into the, the happiness thing. We have this idea that if something, I know this is something I had to consciously deprogram from myself, that if something is going wrong in our life, we somehow deserve it. We played a part in it or we're being punished in some way. That victim, that victim mentality, right? And it really ties into your early upbringing as a child. You know, as a society, we are brought up in that way that, you know, if you don't comply with certain rules or standards, you're ashamed for it. You get a timeout in the corner or you get spanked or beaten or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you, you get shamed or ostracized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a form of teaching children how to comply and behave. But the thing is we, we carry these, we carry this really deeply within our being to the point where it kind of takes over mm-hmm. and that's what's kicking in, in our, in our conscious mind, you know, subconsciously, that's what's coming forward. We're consciously experiencing something difficult in our life. Subconsciously, we're thinking that we're bad, that we're wrong, that we did something to deserve it. Because, you know, as a child, you really do take in everything as revolving around you. You really do feel like everything is your fault to the point where if mommy and daddy are getting a divorce and daddy leaves home and never comes back, you're going to think it was your fault. Right. You're going to carry that with you. I've I've heard, I've heard that before. I've read some articles where child psychologists are like parents who get divorced, they have to tell their kids that they had no part in it. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you're, if you're a highly sensitive person or, you know, very naturally in tune with your intuition, you're going to be picking up on, you know, things from your parents and your environment and people around you and thinking that it's yours. I think this is another reason that, you know, my specific high school experience felt so turbulent along with, you know, being sensitive to plugging into that divine feminine collective energy and everything that was coming through there. It's, it's that, you know, recognizing that when you're a highly sensitive person and very in touch with your intuition, you could walk into a room, pick up everybody's emotions and not realize that they're not yours. Yes. And that, that, could be a, that could be a major stressor to carry because then you think to yourself, why am I so emotional all the time? Why am I feeling like this all the time? But hey, it's not all you. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you have to you know, return to your center and ground yourself, as you mentioned before. Yeah. But uh, to bring it back to, you know, your earlier question about what we can do to really connect with ourselves. When I was talking about the the happiness versus the depressive states, I, I would say the best thing is really to um, find a neutral ground where you can feel peace. And this isn't something that you're going to feel, you know, every moment of every day where you're, I think we kind of have this grand misconception about spiritual awakening where it's like, well, you're in bliss for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of like, it's like you manage, you, you got to manage your emotions and your mood. You're doing a balancing act, right? I mean, it's just because yeah. things come at you every day and you got to learn how to kind of maneuver yourself based on what comes at you. And sometimes things, those things that come at you are not favorable. They're, they, they can be hurtful and jarring, you know? Yeah. And again, it comes down to why me? <laughs> yeah, 
No, no, I think that's, I do. that's the first, uh, you know, you got to eliminate that, those two words from your vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be like, Hey, you know, sometimes stuff just happens. Yeah. And I know we talk about the law of attraction and things like that. And that can play a role, but at the same time, there are also things that you're going to experience in your life that have absolutely nothing to do with you. They just happen. Maybe they're a part of your soul contract, or maybe that's the struggle that you need to master because you're going to teach about it. it every experience is bringing you something in some way. And I think the most important thing, and I, I feel like you can relate to this as you know, being someone who is very hard on yourself and likes to control things and, and things like that. I'm definitely the same way. And I've had to work on that a lot is that, you can just surrender and and know that whatever experiences is happening, when you can trust that life loves you, no matter what's happening around you, that's when you move into that energy of surrender and you open up for creative solutions to come your way to the point where, you know, looking back, and I don't want to sound naive saying this, but looking back, you can realize exactly how that situation was helping you and exactly how it gave you the exact information you needed to go for the next step of where you wanted to go next. You know, maybe you experienced betrayal in some way. You experienced somebody sort of bamboozling you in some way. I just use the word bamboozling. Yeah, um, I, I <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that was exactly what you needed to prepare you to move into a certain industry or to, to move into a certain contract, to, to be aware of the different types of experiences that you could have when you're moving into something. So, from a soulful perspective, while consciously you might feel like, oh my God, why is this happening? This yeah, sucks. I mean, like, when you're in the midst of the storm, it can feel, I think that's when people need to really hold on to their faith and trust, you know, that this is happening yes. for a reason. And that's not always easy to do, you know? Yeah, definitely not. And they really are tests of faith. And that that's also tying into feminine energy because feminine energy really represents the void. It represents the dark. It represents what's unseen, what we can't see. And faith really goes hand in hand with that. It's about learning to trust in a higher power that, that loves you conditionally and unconditionally. And the, the beautiful thing about it is that you're realizing that you don't have to do it all on your own. Because when you're trying to control things, you know, the ego really likes to have control. And yeah. that's also masculine energy. It likes it likes what's predictable. It likes what you can tangibly see and what you can expect and prepare for. And that's another reason the feminine has been so suppressed because the feminine is the total opposite. The feminine is wild and uncontrollable and you never know what you're going to get. It's very unpredictable. I, I want you to think of it like the power of nature, right? One moment you can see this, the ocean being a total calm oasis. And the next moment, it's a raging storm. Right. That's feminine energy. And, and it's feminine allows for that contrast to happen. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing is when you allow for these energies to work in symbiosis with each other, you know, rather than letting one take over the show, when you let them work together, that's when magic really happens. Because, you know, as a masculine driven society, we're always trying to control things, always trying to push things and make things happen. And it's kind of like pushing against a brick wall. We put all of this effort into getting things done when all you really had to do was, you know, set your intention, hold your vision, take inspired action and let the universe help you create what you want to create. And I, I want to ask you this question. Sure. I want you to think about the most magical things that have ever happened in your life. I'm just going to give you a moment to pull up the most, the most magical things, most magical experiences. Yep. I, and I want you to, yeah, 
I want you to ask yourself, did you consciously have anything to do with that? No, actually, they took me by surprise. And it's the same thing for me. Um, some of the most magical experiences of my life, I had absolutely nothing to do with it. It came out of nowhere. Like I was just focusing on me living my life. I was still, you know, working on, on living my best life and things like that. I think that's something that's integral to who you are when you embody this lifestyle. But it was completely, it was like a surprise being dropped from the universe on my doorstep. And I didn't have to do anything to make it happen. You can attract abundance and happiness and joy without so much effort on your part if you're willing to let go and trust in the universe. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where, you know, the energy of appreciation mm -hmm. really comes into play because when you can appreciate where you are now, you know, first of all, we have a very limited idea of what abundance means. And the part of why surrender is so important is because it allows you to move beyond your limitations. You know, ego is something that's very structured, but since it's structured, it's kind of like being contained within a box. You know, the saying, think outside of the box, that's a very creative approach to things. And creative energy is feminine energy and ego energy is masculine energy. So when you can move into working with both of those energies together, you open up to moving beyond your limitations, beyond what you have known. And that's kind of where you know, the forces of creation come into play because your, your guides, your higher self, um, source creation, whatever you name your higher power, whatever higher power you believe in, it, it has infinite resources available. And you're always connected to this higher power. But when you open up to this energy coming to help you, that's when you access those infinite resources and things could come to life in front of you in ways that you, you couldn't even have imagined. That's how powerful it is. I really, really enjoyed our conversation today, Rusha. And thank I'm you sure that, my, that my listeners will too. You shared so much great inf so much wonderful information that we can all really grow from. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and guiding us towards building a higher state of consciousness and boosting our inner power. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I could talk about this stuff all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> you can't tell already. I'm a total spiritual nerd. <laughs> Absolutely. And where can, where can we learn more about you and your services? Uh, you could find me on my website, rushacy.com, www.rushacy.com. And you can also find me on YouTube. You just look up Rusha, my name, R-U-S-H-A. You'll find my YouTube channel with videos up there. There's my Facebook page, my Instagram, and I'll also be coming out with some exciting new things in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you so much, Rusha. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.